Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ed Montana. Alongside me today, my brother, my brother Alex. Alex, how you doing? What's up, my man? I'm doing great. I'm doing good. I'm chilling, you know? Just chilling. Just chilling? That's it, man. Nothing more to it. It's kind of hot here in the uh, in the Houston area, actually. Is it? <laughs> it's wintertime, man. It, it's cold. It's like 74 degrees. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, a bone-chilling 74. Hey, it's no joke in the morning, though. It gets down to like 62 sometimes. <laughs> you know, that's that's the one thing I miss about up north, man. Like January, February, March, those are winter months. You know, it's, 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 it's hot for so long. Well, it gets so hot in the summertime that I don't want it to be 60, 70 degrees in January and February, you know? So, well, and I mean, look, obviously we're going to talk about football today and it just, it feels kind of, as many years as I've been down here, it still feels a little weird to talk about football and it's, I mean, 75 degrees today. It just feels, it feels weird. It feels like it should be cold. You know what I mean? Right. But that's not the way it works. And it's not going to be cold in two weeks in Tampa Bay when they have the Super Bowl. So go figure. Yeah. That's right. Speaking of Tampa Bay, we have the first ever team playing in their, playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Now it's kind of unfair because only, only about three or four teams have a chance to play at home. Five teams have a chance to play at home anyway, right? Because the Super Bowl is always in Miami, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, or L.A. I guess every now and then they do it in Arizona, right. maybe a couple times here in in, uh, in Dallas or in Texas, in, uh, in Houston. But it's not like right. – and look, before people get on me, I know they've done it in the, in the Silver Dome up in Michigan. I know they've done it in – MetLife Stadium in New York. I know, I get it, but it's still few and far between. Most of the games are like in five or six different stadiums, so does you know the chances are? It's not like every team really has a chance to play in their home stadium. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, thirty-one twenty-six winners yesterday in Green Bay, are going to get to play Super Bowl in their home stadium. Tell me this. Before the game started, everyone was talking about Green Bay. Everyone was talking about Aaron Rodgers. It seemed like, even though the spread didn't show it, it seemed like it was Green Bay or bust. Are you surprised that Tampa Bay pulled that game off? Hell yeah, I am. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I thought Packers were winning the whole time, and especially now looking back at the box score. Tom Brady with three interceptions. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me Tom Brady's gonna throw three interceptions, I'm 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 mortgaging the house. I mean, I was more surprised by Tom Brady throwing three interceptions than I was about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning that football game. I said it when the playoffs started. I thought the only team that could go into Green Bay and win a football game was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I said that before the playoffs even started and it proved me right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, it's, it's football. Anybody can win. I mean, you know, the Tampa Bay has gone into three other 
you know, houses and won during the playoffs. So, yeah, but one of them was Washington. Yeah. Washington's no good. Washington's no yeah. good. You can't you can't count that one. That's not like a real road victory. That's not a big deal, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, shocking that that Brady's numbers looked not good, for lack of a better word. Right. He, he did throw three touchdown passes, but you know the three interceptions is you know three more than you expect from Tom Brady in a uh, in a incredibly meaningful game like the uh, like the NFC Championship. Look to me. It comes down to defense, and in spite of the in spite of the turnovers, the Packers broke down defensively a couple of times, and Tampa Bay came up big a couple of times on defense. So I think that's where the credit lies. Really, it's on the it's on the defenses. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean they they really they really pressured Aaron Rodgers all day long, forced him out of the pocket. And I think they were, you know, they didn't allow any really big gains from him on his, on his feet because he can scramble. Uh, Vita Bay ended up being, he was, he was just, he hasn't been active since like week 11 for the bucks. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a huge spark for them. Yeah. So he and played the- big in the corner, but the cornerbacks played good too. I mean, you know, they got a good defense. And on the other side, the the play before the end of the half, where Green Bay just had a a complete brain fart, letting that letting that guy go on on that fly route, letting him get behind you like that. I mean, easy easy pitch and catch for Tom Brady to throw that touchdown. That play to me kind of solidified the game because it really put the Packers behind the eight ball going into the second half, and you can tell. Even though they came back, they felt pressured to come in and 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 really, you know, get the job done or you know score on every drive because they had fallen behind. <clears throat> you know, it was twenty-one to ten at the half, so it's not a huge lead. But you know, the fact that they were down more than a touchdown, I think, made them press a little bit in the second half, and they did well in the third quarter. But then they just couldn't close a deal in the fourth. Um, a lot of people I've are talking. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say to to your point right before the half, you know, I, I just I, I remember because, I, you know, you remember things like this. But I remember the, the Giants versus the Packers in, oh, no, in uh, in 2011. Uh, right before the half, they got a really big touchdown. Right. Right. Uh, to put them up. The I think, uh, the, the touchdowns or something right in Green Bay. And then in 2016, when when the Giants had that fucking boat party. Uh, the Packers in that playoff game right before halftime, uh, you know, scored a touchdown with like seconds left and that, you know, and the Giants never recovered. And this was kind of like the same thing right before halftime, you know, you give up. And then, you know, credit to the to the Buccaneers because they really picked on number 20. I think his last name's King on the Packers. He was the one that gave up that touchdown to uh, right before halftime. And they just kept on picking on him throughout the whole game. So. Yeah, no. he that that guy. I'm surprised they didn't cut him at halftime. Yeah, I mean it was just just terrible, just just a terrible mistake on his part, uh, just not being aware of, really being aware of the game at that point. You know, just just not just not aware of what's going on. Um, 
everyone's talking about the decision to kick the field goal on third on fourth and goal from the eight uh, with uh, what was it like two oh nine left in the game. Um, they were the Packers are down. The Packers are down eight at that point. It's 31-23. They need a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie. There's two minutes and I want to say 10 seconds left in the game. And they get to fourth down, fourth and eight, fourth and goal from the eight. And they decide to kick the field goal. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I don't know. I mean, part of me doesn't have a problem with it because you, you, you take the points, you still have three timeouts left. And kind of the way it worked out for, for the Packers was they, 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 look, it was a fucking hold, but it was bullshit because they haven't called that all game long. But I mean, that one was obvious and the referee took forever. So he was definitely, he definitely had a fucking bug in his ear because he threw that, that flag really late. Like, that was kind of bullshit, if you ask me. They were about to start the next play. Yeah, pretty much. But so back to, you know, the fourth and goal situation. I don't know. I mean, I I think you take the points because then if you don't make it, then you're still down 11 with two minutes left. But you do have Baron Rodgers. You have Devontae Adams. You got Aaron Jones. Like, I think you have enough playmakers on offense to – get an eight-yard touchdown. Now, this could say a lot about the Tampa Bay defense and maybe the coach didn't trust the offense because Tampa Bay's defense has been on Aaron Rodgers' ass all day. I don't know. But I really don't have a problem with the call because at the end of the day, it's a five-point game. You got the two-minute warning and you got the three timeouts. Yeah. uh, I don't have a problem with the call simply because they ran three plays before that. Remember, they ran three plays. They got to first and goal from the eight. They ran three plays and got nothing. And to be honest, I kind of blame Aaron Rodgers because on third down, he could have made it a lot easier for for himself. Heck, I even think he would have scored. Um, He had, I mean, he had a third of the football field to run to. And instead he threw that ridiculous little across his body last second looked like he was having a seizure pass to a guy who was on his knees already with two bucks around him. I mean, it was a terrible idea. Um, And so I kind of blame Aaron Rodgers. And quite frankly, I think Aaron Rodgers put LaFleur in the situation in the mindset to say, well, damn, I got to kick, I got to take the points. Um, Look, the likelihood is, is that they would have needed another possession and they would have needed to score a field goal anyway, right? Because the likelihood of scoring the touchdown on fourth and goal from the eight and getting the two-point conversion is probably pretty small. So the likelihood is, is that they wouldn't have made it or they would have made it and not made the two-point conversion, in which case they need a field goal anyway to win the game. And with 2.10 left on the clock and, uh, and three timeouts – you got to hold them and, you know, not hold them, but you got to contain them and not let them get a first down and get the ball back and let Aaron Rodgers give Aaron Rodgers another shot at it. Instead, you know, the, 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 the defense couldn't do the job. Again, the defense couldn't do the job. The penalty, the penalty is a clear penalty. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And they did call it kind of loose throughout the day. 
yesterday in that game, I thought, but they weren't letting serious jersey pulls go. And the fact that he threw the flag late, I agree. It was late. It was, I mean, what was he waiting for? I mean, I thought it was incredibly obvious. I don't, I don't understand what the, you know, what the delay was. But I don't have a problem with the call. It was, it was, it was blatant, um, and I don't even think he had to do it because I don't think I don't think that ball was catchable. So, you know, I, I think I there's a, there's a lot of blame to go around uh, for the Packers all the way around. And quite honestly, I lay the biggest blame on on Aaron Rodgers because I think he could have scored on that on that third down. Yeah, he probably could have. I, I, I'm not going to blame LaFleur, especially because I think he really threw analytics out the window. And I bring it up because it feels like, you know, football's turning that way, that, you know, the decision-making and the play calling is really everything turning that is. way. Yeah, everything And is. I really hate it in baseball. I hate it in football. So, you know, analytics would say they should have went for it because they've been the best red zone team in the NFL, right? But I think he coached and he made that call with his gut and with the flow of the game, which I'm a believer in. Yeah. And the flow of the game said, Tampa Bay is playing really good defense. And if we don't score here, if we don't go away with some points, then, you know, we just, we may not have a chance at all. So I'm the fine other, with the call. I don't the, care. the other thing too, if he goes for it, if he goes for it and doesn't get it, let's say it's an incomplete pass. Now you've got Tampa Bay pinned, pinned back at the eight. They're less likely to try to throw their way to a first down, right? They're more likely. I mean, they were going to run anyway, but now with the, with the short field behind them, they're even more likely to run. And maybe on third, because they threw that pass on third down, maybe on third down, they don't throw the ball. So, you know, it's dicey. I, I don't, to me, I don't blame LaFleur. I think he made – I'm not going to say the right decision, but it was, to me it was a 50-50 decision, and I don't see a problem with it either way. Uh, actually, I was leaning more towards kicking the, the field goal. Uh, I blame Aaron Rodgers because on third on, on third down, when he doesn't run, because he could have gotten to – even if he doesn't score, right, if he gets down to the two, it's a different conversation, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and he easily gets to the two. So his choice was to throw a ridiculous pass across his body at the feet of one of his players who probably wasn't even expecting the ball since Aaron Rodgers was running away from him. Or best case scenario, score a touchdown. Worst case scenario, probably get to the two. To me, that seems like a no-brainer. And, and, I, and, I, and I blame him even further when after the game, he says he thought he had two downs to, to make it, like, meaning he thought they were going to go for it. Well, if you think you're going to go for it, you don't make that stupid pass with two guys draped all over that guy and throw it at his feet. You, you pick up the six yards, right? Again, worst case scenario, you pick up the six yards, and now you got fourth and two, which is basically a two-point conversion to score a touchdown. I, you know, I just – you know, I, I just think – Aaron Rodgers gets all the love and all the praise, but I think here he de- he de- he deserves a fair amount of the blame. And for everyone on on TV who's blaming Lafleur, those are all people that drank the Aaron Rodgers Kool Aid. 
I agree. That's just my opinion. I agree. I had a good time drinking the Kool-Aid this season of Aaron Rodgers. He's got great Kool-Aid, man. It's very I stopped sweet. drinking the Kool-Aid this year. And I was hey. wrong because the Kool-Aid was really good all year long. And now, <laughs> but now, but now you see what I'm saying? Now, when you see when you see the result yesterday, the Kool-Aid was poisoned. <laughs> yeah, it must have not been that that you know sugar water Kool-Aid. It must have been some other shit. That must have been some no-name great value out of Walmart, not like Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this one had Andy Reid dressed in all red. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, speaking of Andy Reid. Uh, on the other side, you had, to me, this was the most anticipated game of the year because everyone really thought that the Bills had a, had a chance. They played a good game earlier in the year, and I think everyone was really excited to see what was going to happen when we got, uh, you know, when we got these two teams on the field for all the marbles, essentially. And, um, and, and, you know, everyone was looking forward to it. I know you were looking forward to it because you've been riding that Bills bandwagon all year. In the end, were you surprised with what you saw? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. But not, not that, you, you know, after, like, reviewing everything, you, you, really, you really see how bad the Buffalo Bills are missing the run game. Yeah. You know, and even if they had – even if they had, an, uh, you know, uh, they don't have to be all pro running backs, but you need to have some type of running game to control the clock a little bit, especially when you're playing against, you know, a great offense and quarterback like the Chiefs, right? You kind of use that to, you know, kill the clock a little bit. And although while it's great that Josh Allen can run and all, he still has, a, you know, he still has to be a little fresh, so he can play his position, be a quarterback, and throw the ball and make some, you know, make plays. But um, I, so I, I think that was really noticeable. And I think the, the, I think the moment for Josh Allen was a little bit big. And I think that the Chiefs applied really good pressure on him. I mean, I, I, if I remember correctly, they, had, the, uh, they had about three, three sacks for like more than 10 yards. Like he had a 15, 17 yard loss on, on one play. Yeah. There so, was one where there, there was he one was kind where of he, running for his life. Yeah. Um, they had four sacks actually. And, um, and, and yeah, he had that one where he thought he could get away. It was a, it was a safety blitz. He thought he could get away and he couldn't he kept running back and the guys, you know, tugging on him and eventually gets him down. Um, Two things really struck me about this game. And look, I'm going to be critical here of Josh Allen, but Josh Allen was overmatched and he was, he was the, the, it really felt like the moment was too big for him. That being said, I don't think it's going to happen to him again. Right. I don't, I expect him to grow from this experience and be better for it uh, come next season. But he did look like a guy who never played in a conference championship game before, right? And and yeah. it's tough. Um, the defense put pressure on him. He still made a lot of good decisions moving out of the pocket. I, I continue to be impressed with this guy's mobility. Um, he is a 
he's a he's a he's a bigger Aaron Rodgers and a faster Ben Roethlisberger, right? When we think of Aaron Rodgers, we think about how he can move around in the pocket, buy more time, and leave if he has to. And with Ben Roethlisberger, we think about how difficult it is to get him down on the ground. And he's got elements of both of those guys, but yet the speed and the strength to, to do what they do as well. So he's very impressive in that regard. On the other side, look, I've been saying this all year. This Kansas City offense is like a video game. The one thing that frustrates me with all of their receivers is all of the dancing around they do to try to, you know, juke people. Uh, Hardeman, I think, was one where, you know, he stands there and, and, and he tries to juke people, but he doesn't go anywhere. And so by the time he decides to go, well, now there's two more guys there and he gets caught. Tyreek Hill is a different story. Tyreek Hill is moving and changing directions, right? And, and that's what makes him just impossible. I mean, he, he ran by – he was surrounded by four guys, and he just ran right by them. He had that one play where he cut, you know, went this way and then cut all the way across the field. It was like a 40-yard game, but he ran like 110 yards total because he ran across the field twice. And, and, and that's, that's, just, that's just talking about the receivers. Then you've got Kelsey. You need a you need a short three four five yard catch. You got Kelsey. You need something in the seam. You got Kelsey. You need a block. You got Kelsey. You want to fake the block and run across, you know, a misdirection. You got Kelsey. I mean, that guy, thirteen catches yesterday. I mean, just insane. And and how that guy found himself so incredibly wide open sometimes, I'll never know. But he did. Um, and then the running game is nothing to sneeze at. You got, you know, Williams, who, who, who's come in and, and done nicely. You've got Edwards Hilaire, who's, who's been doing well all season. They're not game busters, but they keep you honest enough to, to let Patrick Mahomes get some time in the pocket and then, you know, find all of these weapons he's got running around the field everywhere. It's just insane. It looks like a video game. Yeah, yeah, they run a pretty impressive, uh, you know, a lot of impressive plays. You got a lot of moving parts pre-snap. So, uh, you know, it's it's like – and they just have the right amount of playmakers and talent and – All of them. You know, just an offense that can do it, do it all. They have the right amount yeah. of playmakers, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Wherever they throw yeah. – I mean – They've got an insane amount of speed. You've got Tyreek Hill. You've got the Hardeman guy. Those two guys are just ridiculously fast. And, yeah. and I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now, if Tampa Bay jumps out to a 10-0 lead, I'm going to mortgage the house and, and live bet the Kansas City Chiefs. Because when they get behind, it's like, okay, game on. Right, yeah. They, they got down 9-0 yeah. yesterday and outscored the Bills – 38 to 13 the rest of the way 38 to 15 it's just it's crazy it's crazy if if you had to if you had to guess which team would get an early let's say 10 point lead who would it be in in the super bowl here's the thing this is going to sound very shallow if the bucks get the ball first the bucks are going to score the because the bucks know they can't fall behind 
And I think they if they get the ball first, they're going to score seven nothing. And then if the Chiefs make a mistake, they're going to score again, and it'll be ten or fourteen nothing. Doesn't mean the game's over by any stretch. If the Chiefs get the ball first, I think the Chiefs, you know, if, if they start firing on all cylinders from the jump, man, they could they could get up quick. And if they put Tom Brady in that offense behind the eight ball, we've seen what they do when they get behind the eight ball. They're not a good come from behind team. That it could be a very boring Super Bowl if that's the case. So I guess basically I'm saying both of them. <laughs> Hey, should Frank Clark play in the Super Bowl? Because, I mean, he clearly punched that Buffalo Bill. Right? Was that Frank Clark? Yeah, but they didn't call it, right? They didn't call it, but can't, doesn't the league sometimes go back and, like, review these and, you know, find the guy or, you know, stuff him. like that? They may find him. I don't remember the play exactly uh, why, why he turned around and punched him, but – but either way, it doesn't matter what happened. He turned around and punched them. Yeah. Right? That's usually, that's usually an, ejection, an ejection from the game. Right. Right. But not but not always a suspension. So right. I feel like maybe they'll fine him heavily, uh, but not suspend him. Okay. So, uh, look, if Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, I mean, that's, that's, tough, that's a tough go. He still didn't look he looked he looked okay yesterday, but he still looked like he's walking a little gingerly. Now he's got two weeks to get over whatever the turf toe problem is, but I guess if that's a pro if that continues to be a problem, yikes. Yeah. And well, and big for the big for the Chiefs will be their tackle is done for the season. Yeah. That's a huge miss. That's a huge miss. And on the other side. Uh, forget the guy's name, number 33 on the Bucks, the corner safety that got injured Win- on, uh, that, on that big tackle. Winfield? Yeah, well, Winfield was out, but there was another one that got hurt oh. yesterday. Okay. And Antonio Brown is still out, which, you know, it's not huge, but it would be nice to have an additional threat to Evans and Godwin, right, to have one more threat out there. I think Antonio Brown plays – I think he plays. It's a knee issue, um, and he's got two weeks to get healthy. So I'm hoping. I wonder how the Steelers feel. I mean, Bell and Brown potentially could play in the Super Bowl. I mean, well, how does Big Ben feel? <laughs> yeah, it's but, – but, you know, what's funny is both of those guys are not behaving the way they behaved in Pittsburgh. Right, yeah. They've been model citizens. They, they haven't caused any trouble. It's – it's it's always weird to me when guys leave and then they become saints. It's like, why couldn't you just keep doing that where you were? You know, like you had yeah. a good setup, but why all why did you have to go all that shit crazy? And now now you know, I just I don't get it. Well, I, mean, it's, it's, I don't understand it. It's probably one of those situations where you know it's it's deeper than what we oh, than what sure. we know. You know what I mean? So it's like. Do we agree with it or how they act? No, but I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a reason, right? There's a reason for everything. So, uh, we can we can break down the Super Bowl. Uh, we can break down the Super Bowl more next week. Uh, but just first thoughts when you think about this matchup between Kansas City and and Tampa Bay. Uh, 
just first thoughts that come to mind? Uh, points. Lots of points. Yeah. That's pretty much uh, it. Um, the first thought that came to mind is, you know, we, we've seen Brady and Mahomes face off in the AFC, and it's ironic that now we're going to see him in the Super Bowl, and I guess that would have happened with anyone uh, against Brady because Brady's played everyone in the AFC. But that quarterback matchup and just the right the dichotomy of you've got a legend in Tom Brady going to his 10th Super Bowl, and you've got – a guy who's a legend in the making. I don't think he's a legend yet, but I mean, he is certainly on that path, right? You can just see that this guy is going to be an incredible quarterback for a long time. And barring injury, you know, you just, I think the Chiefs are must watch TV with him. And it's interesting to see those two types of guys match up um, in the Super Bowl. That, that makes me, it makes me excited to see. The other thing that I think about is, you know, the, the coaching battle. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches on both sides, right? I think Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy um, and Spagnolo. I mean, they've done a tremendous job of what they have. Their offense is so creative. And then, you know, you've got on the other side, you've got Bruce Arians, who's integrated as a legendary quarterback into his offense. Uh, uh, is it Leslie Frazier that runs the defense? Who's you know done a, I think a fabulous job with that defense. No, it's it's Todd Bowles from Todd Bowles. He, Leslie Frazier's the offense. Brian, is it? I think uh, I know Leftwich. I know Byron Leftwich. Oh, is, no, Leftwich. Was, is it Leftwich? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But there's a either lot way, of, they're on the team. Yeah, there's a lot of good, talented coaches on both sides of the ball. I'm very curious how how they're going to game plan for the other side and how they're going to make adjustments during the game because, you know, the the Super Bowl, I feel like, is one of those games that it's 60 minutes of football just like every other game, but it feels like there's so much more time with with the extra commercial breaks and the longer halftime. It feels like there's more time for the coaches to make adjustments as the game goes on. I can't wait to see it. I'm I'm very excited to see the matchup. Yeah, the coaching definitely should be uh it shouldn't be overlooked as 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 a uh a matchup to look forward to because I think it's gonna be a lot of cat and mouse, a lot of chess playing. Um and look, if you thought there was a lot of points scored in the Eagles and Buck and Patriots Super Bowl, I, I think we're in for a similar type of uh game for this one. Because if, if, if the fucking Eagles can score 41 with Nick Foles and fucking Alshon Jeffrey as their number one receiver, uh, I'm pretty – I mean, this has the potential to just go over the point total of that Super Bowl. Well, you know, with the Chiefs, with the Chiefs, no, no number is safe. I mean, 40, 50, I mean, the Chiefs can score – I mean, it just it, – they're scoring that, – that offense is just ridiculous. That's the only offense I think I've ever watched on third and long, third and eight, third and ten, and not felt like they're probably not going to come here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like most, most games I watch, you see them get into a third and long situation, especially from like their own 30-yard line, 
And I'm like, okay, we're going to see a point here. They may pick up some yards, but we'll see a point. And even when the Chiefs are third and 10 and they throw a five-yard out, but it's in the hands of Tyree Kill, I'm like, he might still get the first down. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. They're yeah, pretty it's automatic. Crazy. It's crazy. There is nothing automatic. Hey, uh, did you hear about Cole Beasley? No. Played with a broken leg. Sweet. I mean, that's insane tough. Yeah, that's – I, I, I didn't know that. That's pretty crazy. I'm guessing he didn't know, right? Like, I'm guessing he didn't know that his leg was broken until after the game, right, when something hurt and he got an x-ray done. But still, to ignore the pain and still be out there playing. And that guy – that guy was everywhere. I mean, he had seven catches. He, he was everywhere, you know, last night. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I, I, I didn't know that. Stephon Diggs got pretty much shut down. I mean, he started to catch some ball, catch some balls in the in the fourth quarter, but the first half, I didn't hear his name once. Yeah. So. Yeah, they played him well. Yeah, they did. Hey, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers? You think he, uh, you think his time in Green Bay's up? No. No, I, no. I think I don't think he's gonna leave. Look, his contract goes through twenty twenty. Three, I believe. He's got two years left on his deal. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are teams that will that would inquire and would be interested and might might be willing to pull the trigger. But I don't think look, the, the Packers are the Packers are still a really good football team and they've got they've got talent, you know. Um so no, if, I don't think it feels like the situation's kind of come full circle because after Brett Favre went to his second championship game, that was his last one as a Packer. And then in comes Aaron Rodgers. And this is Aaron Rodgers' second uh, second championship game. He loses. Oh, it's more right? than a second. It's, huh? more than a, it's more than his second conference championship game. You he's, sure? lost, he's lost four in a row. And he, and he won a Super Bowl, so he's been in at least five. That many? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Well, either way, I, I don't know. I, I, I would like to see him go somewhere else. I think. I mean, what else? What else can he do there? He already won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he he's got to win another one. He's got to win it. For I don't think he has to win another one. For as good as he is. For as good as he is and for as much as people love him in, in the media, if he doesn't win another Super Bowl, he's out of that conversation. He's out of out the of what, greatest conversation. Well, he's well. It, it's just number two at this point, right? Because Tom Brady's – I don't think anyone's going to catch up to Tom Brady. Right. So Unless if Mahomes, we look at the second – if we look at the second tier of quarterbacks, I mean, Manning got one – at the very end of his career, Drew Brees only has one, and he a lot has been expected from him. Also, right. I just think that they're di- they're different type of of uh, you know quarterbacks of of yeah quarterbacks or uh, there's a word I'm looking for but I can't find it. But um, so I mean I don't think he has to. I think he's He's a whole. He's a, he's for sure a hall of famer. Yeah, so yeah. He's a lock. Yeah, but I mean, if he if he wants to be in that 
one of the greatest ever conversations. He's got to win another Super Bowl. I mean, they're probably going to say Eli Manning is one of the greatest because he has two. But I, I, but I think Aaron Rodgers was and is a better quarterback than Eli Manning, despite only having one Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think I don't think in, even though Manning Eli has won two, I don't think he will be in that one of the greatest ever conversation. No, because I think so. Look, so look when when it comes to quarterbacks, I go back to numbers, right? And the hardware is nice, and you can have one, two, three, four rings. He, you know, he's got one, but I th- his numbers are so great that, I mean, people can't say, well, he was like Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone, or D- oh, here, Dan Marino or Jim Kelly. They were great, but, I mean, what are you going to say? Aaron Rodgers was great, but he only yeah, won I, one? I, th- I think that when it comes to – I think when it comes to being in that one of the greatest ever conversations, you have to have both. You have to have multiple championships and you have to have insane numbers. And so to me, he's just not, I just don't, yeah, I just don't think he's, uh, he's not going to be quite there. So Brett Favre is not, so Brett Favre can't be in that conversation. Brett Favre has two, doesn't he? He's got one. Yeah, see, he's not in that conversation either, then. I think you're fucking nuts, but okay. I'm talking about greatest ever. Like I can't. Oh, I wasn't. You weren't talking about greatest ever. I can't put. I can't put. I can't put a guy with only one Super Bowl ring in the greatest ever conversation with Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw and Peyton Manning and well, well, you know and. I don't put Peyton Manning with, with the, you know, I mean, so, so where does Peyton Manning rank? He's got two. He's got to be in that conversation. I mean, he got two. That doesn't mean he had a great Super Bowl. He got smacked around in another one. Yeah, but. How fucking great is he? Still got two. And here's the other thing. He had to go head to head with who we think is the greatest ever in Tom Brady, right? So he doesn't have as many opportunities because he's button heads with the very greatest. You know, it's not like, you know, Joe Montana had to go through good quarterbacks, but he didn't have to go through the greatest ever. Aaron Rodgers. Right, man. I get it. You hate Aaron Rodgers as much no, as I hate Tom Brady. I don't, I don't hate him. I just. You don't like him. No, it's not even that. I, I, I just, I think. I don't even want to say he's overrated because I think that's an, I don't want to insult him like that. I just feel like people put him on this ridiculous pedestal and he's only got one Super Bowl and he's lost four conference championship games in a row. I mean, I just, it, it just, it, 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 I just don't have, he doesn't have the same luster in my eyes as he does in everyone else's eyes. I guess that's that's where I'm at with him. I mean, how many other quarterbacks would you take over Aaron Rodgers? Ever? There's no there's no way you can name five right now. There's oh, no right. way you can name five. There's no way you can name five. It, it depends, right? It depends. Um, it depends on, like, right now, today. 
Well, yeah, that's what I said. You can't right. name five. Because, to be, again, it's, it's different. Do I have to win one football game? Do I, have to, do I have to play just this one season? Or am I starting a franchise right now? Right. If I'm starting a franchise right now, I, I mean, I would take I would take Mahomes, I'd take Lamar Jackson, I'd take Deshaun Watson. Heck, I might take the kid from the the, the kid from uh, the Chargers. What's his name again? Justin Abair. I mean, you know, Josh Allen. If I was starting a franchise today, obviously I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. If I had to play one season and I could pick, you know, the quarterbacks that I have that are in the league right now. Mahomes, Brady. Go ahead, say it, Brady. Brady, you know. But again, if I if I had to start to start, if I had to just play next season, right? Brady's forty three, Rogers is thirty seven. You know, Brady's more likely to break down than Rodgers. So I don't know that I would, but then again, when I get to this kind of game, I, I think I would rather have Brady. So it's, it's tough to say. And if yeah, we I, talk hope about- I hope Rodgers leaves so he, he can go get him one more Super Bowl because I, I just think his time in green Bay is, you know, at, at a certain point, the, the, you know, the quarterback married to this, to the franchise, it just, you know, Manning, Manning wasn't with the Colts forever, right? So, you know where I would love to see Aaron Rodgers go? To the Redskins or to Washington. I, that'd be a fucking beautiful fit for him and the team because they already got weapons. I think they got a stout team already. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Even Ron Rivera? Yeah. Ron Rivera's a good coach. The, the difference between him and Manning is Manning was Manning's contract was done and he had neck surgery, you know? They didn't know if he could play. Right. Rogers, he's under contract. They love him in Green Bay. He's, you know, they still think he's capable. So I don't see why he would leave. Hey, speaking of leaving, what do you think about the situation in Houston with Deshaun Watson? I hope he leaves too. Is there a franchise that is there is there a franchise more likely to screw up something than the Texans? I mean, I just, I don't understand. Like, it's like telling your kid that you're going to let him pick where you go to dinner and then you don't tell him, you just get in the car and go without him. Like, what are you doing? You just told him that you were going to let him have input and then you just went and hired people without talking to him. You just told him that. You just told him that. Like, what are you doing? Who... Who's the genius that either A, made the promise that they knew they weren't willing to keep, or B, didn't keep the promise? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. Bill O'Brien fucked that team up. <laughs> yeah, well, but apparently he's not the only one. There's other numbskulls in there, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easter I don't B get or some shit like that. Maybe the he put GM. some voodoo on him. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's talk that he wants to go to the Jets. I don't know why. I think that'd be great. I know that'd be great. That'd be great for the Jets. That'd be fucking great. Why would anyone want to go to the Jets? Because I think they just hired a coach that is that became well known in the NFL. Who they hire? Likeable guy, Salah from the 49ers. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's good. And 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 they got you know they got money to spend. So look, if the Jets if the Jets are able to pick up Deshaun Watson via trade, that automatically will attract whatever big name free agent wide receivers there are on the market. That's true. They got money to spend. They have a high draft pick. Maybe they might come up off that, but they have some draft cap. But I think that'd be a great fit for the Jets. I think that'd be great. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. I really like Deshaun Watson. I'd like to see him stay in Houston, but I also understand his side of it. How could you not? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm 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 uh, kind of excited for the free agency because there's going to be you know Dak Prescott. People, you know, we don't know where he may end up. You got That's Matthew true. Stafford. You got no one Stafford. I I think I think whoever gets Stafford is gonna. I think he's gonna walk into a good situation. I would he put up good numbers in in Detroit. He put up good numbers. Look, he put up good numbers in Detroit with. You want to name their wide receivers and running backs? No. Yeah, because because we, we can't. And 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 not only that, and I I can't either, so don't feel bad. But and on top of that, you know what? You know what else? You know what else? Matthew Stafford is. He's a fucking Iron Man. That guy plays damn near every single game, every That's season. So, uh, I'm interested to see where he's gonna go too. I'll be curious. I'll be curious, but I don't I think Matt Stafford's days are he's on the other side. He's definitely on the other side, in my opinion. Um you got anything else football related? Nah, man. I'm just ready for the fucking Super Bowl. Too bad we have to wait two weeks. Well, you're gonna have to wait two weeks. Hey, you want to break down the virtual uh Pro Bowl? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. They're not having a game. They're doing a Pro Bowl celebration. Okay. Like, do cool. you really need? Do, like, does the Pro Bowl really generate that much money that you got to do something for the Pro Bowl? Of course. You know how much fucking betting goes on for the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> Anyone that bets on the on the on the Pro Bowl is the definition of a degenerate gambler. Like in the dictionary, right next to degenerate gambler, there's a guy with a with a Pro Bowl betting slip. Yeah, they're not having the Pro Bowl, right? There's no, no, Pro Bowl. no, they're not having the actual game. They're having a celebration, and I don't know what that okay, means. Okay, so. Uh, that's cool. So it'll be a little gala, right, with drinks and food. That it's gonna be that kind of celebration. I think they're gonna play only Madden. The pro bowlers are allowed. I think they're gonna fly them all out to Hawaii and they're gonna play one big Madden tournament. Uh, that that'll be cool. I'll watch that. No, it'll be more fun than than the actual Pro Bowl. Well, that's not saying much. I've had root canals <laughs> that have been more fun than the Pro Bowl. <laughs> what else you want to talk about in the world of sports? Uh, baseball. Did you hear that they're not doing the DH in the National League? Yes. Now, if, they, but if they're, only, but they're, but they're doing the, the the DH in the American. I was just about to say. Now they need to bring that same National League no DH mentality 
to the American League. It's one it of the could have just kept it the same. No, 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 because I don't like the DH. It's one of the stupidest things in sports. In no other sport, in no other sport are the rules different between one conference and another. Like the hoop in the NBA is at 10 feet in the Eastern Conference and it's at 10 feet in the Western Conference. The three-point line is 21 feet, six inches away in both leagues. Imagine that, the same rules. Who would have thunk it? Only baseball has different rules for a different league. It's it is the most it is the dumbest thing in sports. Either universal DH or universal no DH. I agree. And I'm and I'm heavily leaning towards universal no DH. Yeah, I don't like I, I really don't care either way. It's whatever. Look, man, if you want to hit, play the field. That's how I feel, right? Like, these are grown men. I understand the pitcher has a tough job. So does the catcher. This is what I don't understand. If this, if the DH, if the pitcher's job is so difficult that you have to have a DH for him, why don't they have a DH for the catcher? To me, physically, that's almost a tougher job. I think you just opened up the door for Major League Baseball. Baseball needs two DHs. Oh, shoot me. Oh, no, no, no. You know what they do? Now they start to break it down by division. So what they do is in the East, in the AL East and the NL East, no DH at all. In the NL Central and the AL Central, one DH. And in the NL West and AL West, two DHs. That's a good idea. That way, both leagues are different, and all three divisions are different. I think you're onto something. And you only play with two outs in the American League and three outs in the National League. Now you're taking it too far. (laughs) It's so stupid. It it really is. It drives me insane. Every time they bring it up, I, I start to twitch. It's almost as bad as the conversation about the bar. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I think yeah. it's stupid. I think it's dumb because I think people liked it. I think the players liked it last year, even though it was a shortened season. Mm-hmm. DH, universal DH. I mean, just fucking go forward with it. I think everybody liked it. Look, the only reason the players like it is it's because it's one more player per game, which increases the roster. That's the only reason the players That's like cool. it. That's the only. Well, they that's, like, that's fine. They don't think the game is better with a DH. They think their salaries are better with a DH. More offense, one extra salary. That's what it is. But if you talk to true baseball fans, I'm willing to bet most baseball true baseball fans, not casually, would rather there be no DH. How about you? Would you rather no DH or DH? I really don't care either way, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm fine with the pitchers hitting, and I'm fine with the DH being in both leagues. That's cool. Because, look, if the DH is around and they have to expand the rosters by one, then, hey, that gives another kid an opportunity that's stuck in the minors for freaking three, four years behind Albert Pujols, who freaking won't go away. Uh, you know, that gives him a chance to 
seriously, it gives him a chance to, you know, make make the roster. So well, why I'm not cool play with, with, I don't care. Why not play with four outfielders then? That's fine too, bro. I'm good with that. <laughs> make the field wider and put four outfielders. Play play with the you know, the, let there be somebody behind the catcher in case there's a pass ball. That way, you know, it won't go all the way to the backstop. I'm fine with that too. <laughs> Hey, you want to go up there swinging two bats, bats at, uh, during the at bat? Go right ahead. Just don't, just don't, don't, don't be the one that misses and the ball goes between both bats. <laughs> Jeez, you're never gonna be commissioner, man. You're terrible. One day, one day. Man, I would love to be commissioner. Hey, did you watch? Oh, oh, oh! This is. I'm so sorry, my brother. This is, I wanted to bring this up real quick. For most of 2020, you and I talked about what it was like for some players to be playing in this bubble, uh, for the baseball players to be playing at the stadium, for football players, right? There's no fans in the stands. Mm -hmm. I was always one of believer. I, I was always a believer that I think it affected some players, maybe right. not the players like Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady, but maybe the other players who kind of uh, feed off that energy. I have to ask you, you ran the Houston Marathon. Right. Right. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I know, I know it's not official, but nonetheless. No, it's official. It's official. Oh, okay. I'm going to well, get a medal and everything. And okay. It and it's official. It counts. Okay, well, it, then it's official like a ref with a whistle. Right. So you ran 26.2 miles. Right. Right. Uh, a course and a marathon that you trained for. Right. I, I And I apologize for not asking this last week. I totally forgot. But I really want to know, how was it running w without a crowd? Like, did you – I mean – did you feel any different? Did you get less goosebumps? Did you, I mean, what was that uh, experience like? Because I'm, I'm imagining after running so many marathons like you, that, you know, you, you noticed, right, that there was no fans. No fans. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's different, right? It's different. It's worse. There's no question it's worse, right? It's always better with fans around. Um. But I don't think it I don't think it made a difference to my performance, right? My performance was what my performance was. Um, it's yeah, it's it's terrible to not have fans. It's terrible. Yeah. Because I mean it's yeah. you know, especially towards the end when you're tired and you hear all the cheering and it's like it's a good day, you know, like yeah. Maybe it's not my best day. It's not my PR. I didn't qualify for Boston, whatever, right? But it's it's still an accomplishment. It still makes you feel good. Now, I was blessed to have <clears throat> friends with me, right? So <clears throat> I ran by myself. Uh, my coach came out about mile three, caught up to me at mile three or so, and basically followed me the, the whole way, you know, and had water for me and uh snacks if i wanted them and stuff like that and then i had some other friends meet me at mile 25 and and one of them actually ran the last 1.2 miles with me 
And so I got that feeling of finishing with people because I had my friends there. And that's, that's a tremendous feeling. But as far as my right. performance, no, I don't, I don't think, you know, you get locked into what you're doing and that's, that's what you do, man. It's, you just worry about that. And yeah. You, you tune everything else out and you, you do the best you can on the day. But yeah, the, I, think is, I think as an athlete, you always want, and I'm not an, I mean, I'm not an athlete, athlete, but you want, you want fans there. I mean, it's so much, it's better with fans, right? Just the, yeah. the noise, the party, the celebration that it becomes, whether you've done well right. or not. Um, but did, does it affect my performance? I don't think it affected my performance. I've well, run marathons I'm- with very, very few fans. Uh, I've run Pikes Peak, which is up and down a mountain. And, you know, you're running on a little trail path. There's, there's no fans. So I, I know what that's like previously. Now, I was just curious because, I mean, obviously the Houston Marathon is a different atmosphere as compared to Pikes Peak. Right. You know, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. not going to have fans 16 miles up in the air. Yeah. Um, but so that's why I, I was really curious as to how that because I remember us having this conversation. And I'm the one that's always saying, ah, you know, like the players are not going to, yeah. you know, they're not going to have that adrenaline rush. And so I kind of I was curious to how it was for you, because I've gone out to watch you. Uh, well, stand by the finish line of, you know, maybe once or twice for right. the Houston Marathon. And I just remember as a fan, as a spectator, right, uh, at the finish line, I get goosebumps. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit emotional for me because you have all these people cheering on the guy in the wheelchair, the guy that's got one leg, right? Yeah. And, you know... Or, or you, right, after 26.2 miles and you're about to finish and you're just cheering these these runners on and it's like, it's, uh, you know, it's it's just a great experience in my eyes. Yeah, it is. So. It, and it was, it was really, it was weird. It was really weird. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, so, so they switched it to virtual this year, right? So you could run your 26 miles anywhere. And um, when they first said that they were going to switch it to virtual, I got, I was pissed, right? I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go, I'm going to go park my car downtown and I'm going to run the actual course. And, um, you know, obviously sometimes you miss a turn here and there and you end up taking the wrong street and then getting back on the course and stuff like that. That happened to me on uh, last Sunday, but um, it was, it was, it was eerily weird to be running at seven in the morning downtown, you know, like our downtown isn't like other downtowns. Not a lot of people live in the actual downtown here in Houston. So when you're out there running on a Sunday morning, it's quiet. I mean, there's no one around and it was really weird. And I started, I started like right at seven, maybe seven Oh five, something like that, which is the same time the marathon starts. And I was just running down these streets and it was cold and it was chilly. And it was just like, nothing now you didn't see cars yeah. it, was, it was real quiet it was very very weird in that regard. and by the time you make it back by the time you run the whole loop and you, you know it's a big loop obviously you come back four hours later at 11 o'clock there's a lot of people downtown um so it's different when you finish but when you start it's real eerie real eerie one more thing and we'll uh we'll we'll uh we'll end this this episode of the great positive sports podcast 
One other thing that was quiet down this past weekend, in my eyes, from Thursday on, was Conor McGregor. I felt like he was awfully quiet, a little uncharacteristic. Uh, I don't watch much UFC. I watched the weigh-in, um, you know, a couple of other, uh, you know, uh, face-offs that he had with Poirier. Body language sometimes says a lot leading yeah. up to a fight. I, I thought McGregor's body language was a little weird. It was toned down, I felt. I don't know if he just too much proper 12 this whole time, not enough training. I don't know. But what would you think about the UFC fight? Because this was the first fight back, big pay-per-view uh, after their break. Yeah. I what um, you think about it? It's funny. I had the same reservations about Poirier and his body language. Um, really? Yeah, because he looked like he was trying to be something he wasn't. Like he was trying to be a tough guy and he was trying to say he didn't care and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, it just felt kind of, you know, he's like, I don't care, I don't care. And then at the weigh-ins, he gives McGregor a, a, a bottle, a small bottle of hot sauce. And it's like, you're about to get into a fight, you know? It's just kind of, what, what are you doing? I almost feel like he was trying to be a tough guy because that's what McGregor gave him last time when they fought six years ago. And then it looked really odd because McGregor was not doing that. And then, so it felt kind of weird. Um, And so, you know, I don't know. I, I think for McGregor, it's, I, I think it's gotta be awfully tough to get up and train the way you have to train to be an MMA fighter with a hundred million dollars in the bank. I mean, that guy, that guy's making a shit ton of money on the whiskey. He made a shit ton of money with, with Mayweather. I mean, it's just, it's got, it's gotta be hard. It's gotta be. I, I know he's a fighter by nature. I know that this is what he loves to do. It still has to be tough to put in that kind of work to get punched in the face for $5 million when you've got a hundred million sitting in the bank. It's just gotta be, gotta be absolutely. It's absolutely gotta be. And it was, it was weird because I thought, I thought McGregor won that first round pretty convincingly. I thought he was winning the second round too. The second round didn't last that much. Two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, he was winning the fight for like a round and a half. Right. I mean, Yeah, you know, it was um, it was he got a caught. he got caught. He got caught. No, no, he didn't get caught. He he didn't get caught. He, he Poirier. I think he did. I think he did because when when he caught him with the first punch on the chin, Poirier after that was was shooting but wasn't hitting. Yeah. So he wasn't really catching him that clean to me. The reason the reason I say he didn't get caught is. Um, Poirier invested in those low leg kicks early on, even in the first right. round. You know, he gave him a couple of those low, low leg kicks. McGregor did not do a good job of checking them, and he, he took them on the calf. And what, what got him caught is he took one leg kick too many. He switched stances. And once he switched stances, McGregor can't fight orthodox. He just can't. He's a, he's a he's a he's a ridiculous lefty. He's one of those 
he's one of those people that he can't even breathe right-handed. I mean, he just can't do anything, and he's all left. And so uh, the, the, the shot that caught him was right when he switched stances, and I think Poirier knew that. Poirier was mm-hmm. investing in those low, low leg kicks and knew the second he turns, the second he turns orthodox, I'm going to go in for the kill, and that's exactly what he did. And then, yeah. and then the problem becomes with that left leg back. Now it doesn't provide any stability to hold him up, and he can't lunge forward to 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 fight back. And so now he's basically just a punching bag. And you know, Poirier hits him. I don't know six times out of thirty punches because you're right, he threw a lot, but he missed a lot. But he still caught him pretty flush with with some shots. Yeah. And that was the end of that. But I mean, it was, I don't know if that was Poirier's exact game plan, but, you know, he, you can't say McGregor got caught. I mean, it was very, there was a very real investment made by Poirier in those low leg kicks. And, and McGregor said after the match that his calf looked like a football. So that's what you got from his interview. Is that what he said? Because I'll tell you something right now. I didn't understand a fucking off. Uh, I didn't understand a fucking word he said, bro. I, really, I couldn't understand nothing. It's fucking. Yeah, I didn't understand a fucking word. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, yeah, no. He said that in the in the post fight press conference. I, I understand Irish. I Irish Irish English. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any problem understanding. Him. In fact, I like his accent. I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> some of the things he says, especially because he, you know, some idiom. He's got some idioms that are European that we don't use here. So it's, right. you know, like straight away. You know, he's just, he says stuff like that straight away, which I think is kind of cool. But the the whole the whole Fook thing is uh, years ago they had a massive press conference with like. 20 guys, you know, 10 fights that were coming up. They used to do these every, every, every three or four months. And so, you know, there's other, he's, he's there because he's going to fight someone, right? I, I think it was Aldo, but there's other featherweights because he was fighting a feather. There are other featherweights on the stage. And at one point, one of them's like, I'm going to win my fight, this, that, and the other thing. And then I'm going to come down here. I'm going to beat the shit out of Conor McGregor with his hat. And McGregor's sitting in the front and all of a sudden he goes, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and so ever since it's been the the fuck thing has been very uh has been on all kinds of memes and it's quite amusing. Well, I well I think the sleeping McGregor meme has now taken over that meme. <sighs> yeah. Well, look, nothing nothing's taken over the Bernie Sanders meme. That thing is that is that's a winner. That's a winner. That is that is far and away the biggest winner of the week. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I've seen some really good ones. They need to put that fucker on a T-shirt. Well, didn't didn't he put that on a T-shirt or a sweater, made money off of it, and then, you know, turned uh, forwarded the profits to a charity or something? Yeah, I heard that's what he's doing. Yeah. Is it? But okay, it, I didn't know if that was true or not. Yeah, no, I, from what I've heard, it's true. But I can't, okay. I, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's great. It is funny, Absolutely. yeah. All right, man. That's all I got. You got anything else? Oh, no. I was waiting for you to do the outro. 
No, you do the outro, damn it. Why I'm not doing the do outro. Why do I always have to do the outro? I don't you know. Do That's a great question. Don't <laughs> break the tradition now. You're sitting over there going, because I don't know the outro. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I turned the ears off. I turned the volume down. I have no idea what's going on. I did my part. We have an outro? I just, I just know when you say, Alex, how can they reach you? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'll do the outro. <laughs> As always, folks, we appreciate you. What, catch us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, whatever podcast platform you choose. And now on Spotify. Alex, wow. where else can they catch us? On Spotify. <laughs> Such a dork. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us here at the show, you can email the show, positivesports10 at gmail.com. Positivesports10 at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of me, Alex, where can they get a hold of me? <laughs> On Twitter at emontana21. That's right. And folks, if you want to get a hold of me, Ed, <laughs> how do they get a hold of me? <laughs> You can catch Alex on Twitter as well at Brooklyn Gaucho One. As <laughs> always, folks, ignore the negativity, be the positivity. Peace. <laughs>